0: Hello and welcome to the Sincere Yogi Podcast, a podcast for yogis just like you who are seeking more from their yoga practice that you can't get in your average studio class. My name is Sarah and I'll be your host. Hello and welcome back, or welcome if you're new here. This is the Sincere Yogi Podcast. I'm Sarah. This is where we talk all things yoga beyond the yoga studio setting. So the real reason I created this podcast, for those of you who are new, is because when I did my 200-hour teacher training, I so desperately wished that some of these key things that I learned... In my teacher training, I knew when I first stepped on my mat, things like the yamas, the niyamas, the eight-limbed path, all of these different philosophies and tools that really just amplify the asana or the work that we do in the studio in a classroom setting. I distinctly remember wondering why there was no class I had ever been to where a teacher mentioned the yamas or the niyamas or brought in the philosophies of the practice that I really wanted to learn and was seeking out in that way of a teacher training. So all of that good stuff is what we talk about in this podcast, season one, focusing on the yamas and niyamas, the eight-limbed path, and season two, focusing all on asana. The yoga asana are the yoga postures, and I already touched base in the last episode about why we actually practice the asana among many reasons, but three sort of big reasons that stand out that will help you understand these episodes to come a little bit deeper. So if you haven't listened to the first episode of season two, then I highly recommend you backtrack and listen to that first before moving on to our topic today, which is Hatha Yoga. So from here on out, I'm going to be talking about different lineages and styles of asana and practice so that you have a little more information to take with you in your home practice and you know a little bit more about these styles so that when you see them offered in studio, you can pick and choose what style and what class best suits your needs. Starting off with Hatha Yoga because Hatha Yoga really does set the foundation for so much of our modern day yoga practice. Hatha yoga is the first time that we see, recorded really, the emphasis on asana or postures as this pathway to enlightenment. So Hatha yoga, despite this belief that it comes from the words sun and moon, ha and tha, is referred to in the Hatha yoga pratapika, which is one of the first sort of conglomeration of resources on Hatha yoga. It's said that hatha actually means with great effort or with steady effort. So emphasizing once again that effort of the physical body, that discipline in the physical body, translating to that strength and discipline of the mind. The idea of sun and moon, the solar and lunar energies of the body, and hatha yoga being a conjunction of those two words, is very commonly taught and a very common belief today. That's what I was taught. And then upon further research and referencing my own version of the Hatha Yoga Pratipika. I realized it was the latter. While Hatha Yoga does emphasize asana, and it really is one of the first recorded asana practices where we see postures being recorded, broken down, and described in terms of their intention and benefits, it also emphasizes the idea of balance and detoxification of the physical body in order to help detoxify once again the mind. So if you can't already start to see this theme of what we do to the physical body affects how we feel, how we live in our mind, that's really the reason why asana is emphasized because it does have such a profound effect on the deeper layers of your body. So very much so working from the outside going in and bringing in the practice of mental restraint as well. With the emphasis on asana, with the emphasis on the physical body, there's actually practices outside of your asana practice that Hatha Yoga recommends as well. Some of these practices are even recommended before you start your asana practice, And these practices are the Kriyas. The Kriyas are cleansing techniques that help prepare your body for asana practice, prepare your body for pranayama, and meditation practice as well. Now, there's whole systems of yoga diving deeper into different types of kriyas, but there's six main kriyas that are described in the Hatha Yoga Pratapika and there's six main kriyas that are commonly taught in trainings and classes today. Some of these are recommended to perform before your asana, while others are more daily habits or to be performed as needed. Disclaimer before we dive in, not all of these Kriyas are recommended practices today for various different reasons, and some of these Kriyas are really only recommended under the guidance of a licensed practitioner, whether that's an Ayurvedic practitioner, which is the sister science of yoga, and is an approach to preventative practices in order to avoid disease or, of course, a medical practitioner that can perform some of the duties of these kriyas. So let's just get to it. We'll start off with a kriya that most of you have probably heard of or already tried, and that is neti. So the neti pot, most of us have heard of it, is a way to cleanse the nasal passages. If you haven't heard of a neti pot, It's essentially a teapot that you fill with water and a saline solution, and you tilt your head and pour this solution into one nostril. As you tilt your head, the water goes up through one nostril and then out the other, clearing any excess mucus, phlegm that may be hanging out in your nasal passages. I love doing the nutty pot. I used to keep one in my shower, but you have to make sure you clean them out if you do that. And definitely make sure that you look up best practices for the neti pot so that you do it correctly and don't get water actually up your nose. That is one of the sort of downfalls is the learning curve of the neti pot. Now, when we do this, when you clear your nasal passages, it makes it so much easier to breathe in your asana. It makes it so much easier to practice pranayama, and it gives you a really true sort of look into what is happening in each nostril. What nostril might be blocked a little bit more? What nostril might feel open? If one nostril is more dry, what have you? It gives you a deeper insight into your own nostril health. It's a great practice to get into, especially if you suffer from allergies or if you get phlegmy really easily. This is definitely something that you want to try. Moving on from NETI, we have Kapalabhati breathing. Now, Kapalabhati breathing is sometimes grouped in with pranayama and that's not incorrect, but it is a kriya in the sense that it starts to build that heat by stimulating the bandhas, so deep core engagements in your body and breathing very quickly. It can be referred to as skull shining breath because on top of building that heat through that quick drawing in of the bandhas with the exhale, also said to stimulate your brain cells. So Kapalabhati is often seen in a lot of more traditional approaches to Hatha-style yoga in studio classes today. And this is because Kapalabhati starts to build that heat for asana practice and starts to get that purification process going before the asana even begins. That way you can dive even deeper into the subtle body, into the energetic body in your asana postures when the time comes. Our third Kriya is Trataka. Trataka focuses on the eyes, so candle gazing is often used to help clear the eyes and strengthen your eyesight. Candle gazing should be done in a dark room so that the flame of the candle is the only thing taking up focus. And you don't want the candle to be right in front of you. It should be a decent distance away so that you can see it, focus on it, but still have that vastness of the dark room surrounding the flame. Candle gazing is a very meditative practice by focusing on just the flame by sitting in that Deep state of focus, gazing only at the flame, that focus starts to zoom in and you really get engrossed in that candle gazing experience. It's definitely one that I always recommend people at least try. You don't have to get into this candle gazing practice if you don't enjoy it or you don't want to, but it's a really whole different approach to meditation if you're feeling your meditation practice getting a little bit stale and of course it's supposed to be very strengthening, very cleansing for the eyes. Now this next kriya is something that most of you might have seen without fully knowing what you were looking at This practice, whether it was on Instagram or YouTube or in a yoga book, a yoga text, showing pictures of this deep abdominal massage of the digestive tract. Nauli is a practice of bandhas. You take a deep breath in and then on your exhale, bend your knees, hands to your thighs, really drawing up and in through mula and uddhyana bandha. So when we engage these bandhas, these deep aspects of our core, our transverse abdominus muscles, it starts to massage out the organs of your digestive tract. Not only does this help prep your digestive system, get things moving so that you can clear your digestive tract before you practice, but it also helps strengthen the engagement of the bandhas, which when used in asana practice, allow you to get that more energetic experience and helps prepare you for your pranayama practice. Now that's sort of the beginnings of Nauli Kriya and a practice in and of itself, but then you also have another layer added where you do stomach churning. It's sort of this vertical belly roll of your abdominal muscles that once again further that stimulation and massage of your internal organs, and gives you that greater awareness and control of those bandhas and what's happening within the abdomen in general. The last two kriyas are the kriyas that you don't see very often in a modern yoga practice, and some for good reason. And some for good reason. Vasti, being the next Kriya, probably more commonly seen in the health and wellness crowd today, and that is cleansing of the rectum through some type of enema. Now, in the Hatha Yoga Pratapika, because of when that was written, when they were practicing these things, this was actually practiced in rivers. Of course, this is not going to be the recommended modern-day practice, but we do know that enemas help help clear out the rectum, allow us to be a little bit more regular, and are very cleansing, helping to avoid future disease and issues within your digestive tract. Typically, this is recommended with warm water. However, coffee enemas seem to be all the rage nowadays. If you're wondering, no, I have not tried it. Would I try it? Would I try it? I don't know. I don't think I would go out of my way to try it, or maybe I would. Maybe that would be a good podcast episode. Probably not. Not poop talk. But this is something that there are home kits to do. However, it is also a medical practice. It's something that if you are interested in, look into it, educate yourself, and do your best to practice safely. And the last one is doughty. Doughty is something we don't typically see being taught in modern day yoga in the West. Dao tea is cleansing of the intestines, the esophagus. It helps cleanse the respiratory system, removing mucus. It's said to help with asthma and coughs and keeping that space just free and clean in terms of health. Now, the recommended practices for Dao tea and how it was practiced are just not something that we see today. There's a few different ways that I have seen Doughty being recommended or referred to in practice. Now that first way is to make yourself purge. This is typically done with warm salt water. The second way that I have seen being referenced as doughty is swallowing a warm towel and then pulling it back out. And that can be a very dangerous practice. So both of those are a little bit more extreme in terms of the cleansing techniques. Now there are different ways that you can practice all of these Kriyas, for example, you have those two different ways to practice Nauli Kriya, a few different methodologies for neti. So there is no one way necessarily to practice these cleansing techniques, but when you incorporate these cleansing techniques together, you really do start to get a more full body approach to the asana practice because you are clear and free to practice bandhas, to breathe properly, and it does enhance that experience on and off your yoga mat. Now not all of these practices are really taught or recommended or even done on a daily basis. However, most of those who study and practice hatha yoga as their main practice do typically do some type of nauli, some type of neti, kabalabati, and probably explored some type of candle gazing as well. Those practices can be a lot simpler to bring into a studio-based setting as well. Now, Nauli and doing that stomach churning does take a certain level of awareness of the bandhas, of the abdominal muscles, but Kapalabhati breathing and even candle gazing is often taught in Hatha classes and other styles of yoga classes in studios today, which is a really cool way to see how some of these practices of Hatha yoga can bleed into other lineages and stick around in the modern sense as well. Now that you know about the cleansing practices recommended in Hatha yoga, a major aspect of the tradition of Hatha yoga, the next episode we're going to talk about The approach to asana in hatha yoga, it does vary and it does grow over time. So there will be a lot to unpack in that episode too, which is why we're going to use two episodes for hatha yoga because once again, it really does set the foundation for so much of what we see in modern yoga classes today. As always, thank you for tuning in and I can't wait to talk more things asana with you in the next episode of the Sincere Yogi Podcast. Thank you for joining me on the Sincere Yogi podcast. If you want to deepen your yoga and meditation practice, check out my workshops and masterclasses on the Playbook app or join my guided meditation series on Insight Timer. If you just want to stop by, say hi, and see what's up, you can find me at the Sincere Yogi on Instagram.